from the goal kick, it was a defend. It was a from the goal kick, it was a short kick. To, I'll say it again. From the goal kick, it was a short kick to the keeper's defend. What the fuck have I put here? To, to the keeper's defender. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Dave, I'm going to need to get more beer in a minute. I think <laughs> it's gone down too I, easy. I think it's making you cough, mate. Mate, I think I think <laughs> just need, need, need to leave it. <laughs> The stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, release yourself. Rangers are coming. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Derek. <coughs> <coughs> Coughing and spluttering, and with me is my co-host Dave. Derek, going by your cough, I know, and the, the rest of the listeners, you've been very unwell over the past sort of week or so. That's you know another reason that we've not had a podcast out for quite a long time. But I don't think we've missed much since we've been away, Derek, have we? Nah, just you know about five games, a change of manager, and you know, an AGM, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and through the next stage in Europe and things like that, you know, nothing, nothing much. Yeah, so many, many apologies for not being back soon enough. As Dave said, uh, a bit of lurgy in mind and also scheduling issues as well. I blame Dave on that one as well. So Yeah, I know. It's, it's, that Dave is so selfish having to work. Do you know what I mean? What an <laughs> absolute selfish get he is. Yes. So, Dave, you'll forgive me, though, because I'm on antibiotics and I'm drinking 5.8% beer. So if I'm slurring my words by the end of this podcast, you'll know what it is. You'll probably sound better than what you usually do, Derek, yeah? Probably, hi. <laughs> There'll be a few pee stops during the time as well. Though. Yeah, no, no doubt, and then you'll have to go as well. <laughs> hey. So, as I said, we've got a lot, lot to cover, so we may as well go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So, we've got an absolute ton to cover. Uh, the first one, we'd be remiss not to cover this one first, was the Walter Smith Memorial. Yep. Very fitting and a, an emotional tribute to the man. His sons gave a great speech, as did McCoyst and Andy Cameron. The good and great of football w- was there. Well, you know, certainly there was a couple of folk that weren't the good and great anyway. But it was good to see them paying their respects anyway. Sir Alex Ferguson, he stole the show, to be honest, by saying Jesus Christ in the middle of a church. Uh, <laughs> Walter even got a tribute in the House of Commons as well by an SNP MP who admitted that even though he was a Celtic fan, he had a lot of great respect for him as well. So yeah. it was a very, very fitting tribute and, uh, as I said, very emotional. Yeah, no, it was, but I think it was done. I think it was spot on, Derek, and just uh, the respect shown by ev- everyone, you know, ev- everyone that spoke, ev- everyone that was in attendance. A really, really fitting tribute, which we knew it would be, Derek. We knew there would be a huge turnout as well. So, uh, you know, a great, great send off for him. Yeah. So, moving on from that, the massive news Gerard yeah. has left. Yes. <laughs> I kind of came from almost nowhere. I don't know about you, Dave, but I was quite disappointed. I was surprised. Aston Villa, historically <coughs> big, had over one trophy in 20 years, well, and that was the Intertotal Cup, one, one domestic trophy in 25 years. I think the vast majority of Rangers supporters, Derek, it was all, as soon as the, the talk came in, we were all very dismissive, weren't we? 
who were like, oh, Aston Villa, who, who the hell are Aston Villa? You know, quite quite a big name in, in English football, but really there's, you know, it's not exactly a top draw and there's only one club that he's really going to leave Rangers for and that's going to be Liverpool and, you know, it was written in the stars he was going to, you know, come to Rangers, do a great job, do that, you know, this is, this, this is what we were all hoping he would do well, get us into the Champions League, do well in the Champions League, win a couple of leagues, a couple of trophies and then he would move on to Liverpool with our blessings. But, it just came completely out of the blue and I, I was texting you back and forward and, and you were, uh, again, just like I was, very dismissive of it. Oh, he gets linked to every job in England under the sun. And then there was the the video that somebody had got of him getting off the train in London and that's where it sort of hit me. That's him away. He's gone. And again, I text you and I think you were still a wee bit dismissive at that point. No, no, it's, you know, it could be a million and one things. And then it happened. So as you say, Derek, exactly what you said, we're all a bit shocked. I think we were all a bit, as I say, we couldn't quite believe it, it was going to be Aston Villa. I get the feeling that the deal had been done, you know, about a week before because everything just went too quickly and too smoothly for my liking. And he was away, he was gone. So I think I was more annoyed about the timing, Derek, more than anything else. The fact that it happened so quickly, I kind of feel, felt that he'd left us in the lurch. We still, you know, we were still in Europe. We were, we were fighting to try and get into the next stage of the Europa League. We were still in the semi-final of a cup. And, you know, I was a bit, just a bit shocked with the timing more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wasn't a denier that it was going to happen, but I wasn't getting drawn into the speculation. I mean, we first heard within hours of the Aston Villa manager being sacked that Gerard was a number one target. Now, nobody, I don't think anybody could have denied that. That's fine. You know, all the, the, the attention was coming from, from them. And, it, you know, obviously there's two parties involved here, us and them. Now... If they want their man, they flood the media with they want them. So that's that's quite clearly you know game just gamesmanship and part of it. A lot of social media chat which I ignored as well. There was an article the next day from two well-respected journals journalists in the Telegraph. They got the compensation figure completely wrong. They said it was like two million pound when it was actually four and a half. Yeah. And then they continued with it in an article the next day also. So that's what kind of made me think that no, that's that's got to be a load of rubbish because if they can't get that basic thing right, then surely the whole story can't be can't be. Right. And then Rangers kept saying they had no contact with Villa. Then he was spotted, as you said, getting off the train in London and then the next day he was announced. I mean, yeah. for me, it's clear that the talking had been done long beforehand. You're not meant to tap managers and players. You know it goes on. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, it's called sounding out. People know it goes on and it's, well, well it's, it's not a case of right, a formal conversation. It's just a case of, oh, right, you know, this job's come up. Would you be, would you be interested if, if, you know, you got offered? And that's the kind of thing. It's just casual conversations, especially with, what's his name? Christian Puzzlo. Is that his name? He's the a chief there or something like that. Yep. And he's friends with Gerard. So, you know, that's all kind of was telling a story. I think the big issue with me, though, is it was the way he left. And as you said, the timing is a, is a yeah. pain in the arse as well. But it's the way he left with apparently not telling the players and then telling the players that Rangers is your bread and butter just before they went off on international duty. And then when you look back at it in retrospect, you think he was maybe being a wee bit playful. But you could think that he was being very cheeky and dismissive to Emma Dodds when he, he made that comment about not yeah. asking silly questions. I mean, he hasn't even told the captain by the look of it. And I thought Gerard had a lot of integrity, but I think the way he's handled this, 
clearly not and i know he's came yeah. out in an interview in the last couple of days saying that it just all happened quickly and it was an offer you couldn't turn down it was a, a road to the premiership etc etc but there's ways to do things and i think they completely misjudged that one i mean considering that he said that he had a remit and completed it i mean if for family reasons i can understand however apart from going to early galaxy at the end of his career he's been a one club player so yeah. him and his family have been very very fortunate throughout his mm-hmm. career so the travel has not been an issue before. So he accepted the Rangers job on the understanding that, that the travel was going to be a, a big thing. So I can appreciate the anger from the some of the fans. Some of it completely over the top. Some of it absolutely embarrassing and taking us down to you know, Celtics fans level when Rodgers left. Some of it filmed just for likes on social media, which is embarrassing as well. Just the whole you know fake funeral for him as well. I'm not going to say I hold any ill will towards him. At the end of the day, it was clear that Something was not right this season. It was unclear, though, how if it was him that lost the hunger and it transferred to the players, or did the players lose the hunger and it transferred to him and they didn't know how to fix it, and then that's the reason why he left. Ultimately, we thank him for what he's done as the turnaround, especially in the European reputation, has been absolutely phenomenal. Yep. But we move on. Yeah, definitely, Derek. You've, you've said it absolutely perfect there, and I think you've touched on it perfectly as well. There has been something not right there. We we know that there hasn't been the same <laughs> I hate to go back and uh, you know rephrase what Connor Golson there, but you know the hunger you know of a, a lot of the players didn't didn't seem to be there. And was that coming from the manager? Is that the sort of sense that they were feeling from him? Possibly. But there was definitely something different. Just just in, in the space of a few months, I think Stephen Gerrard also maybe got a wee bit disillusioned by the fact that he, he didn't get any money to spend this time round. You know, considering he, you know, he, he did get a lot of money to spend beforehand, but but this season it was free transfers and stuff that he was bringing in, and, and the only real money that we spent was on Bakuna. So I don't know if that had a lot to do with it as well. I don't know if they've just came down and basically promised him the world down in Villa and you know that's what he's going to get but as you say disappointed at the time but we have to look back at his time as the Rangers manager you know hopefully in years to come we'll look back and we'll say you know it was a historic moment you know the time that we managed to get back after everything we went through and he, he was the man that, that got us there I'm sure it will be Derek but right now it's still a wee bit raw how, how he left but as I'm sure you're about to get into Things are certainly looking on the up and the future's bright and the future's orange, Derek, isn't it? <laughs> Lovely segue there. Yes, pretty much straight away, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was linked as a top candidate. I mean, I wanted him even before Gerard came yes. in, to be honest. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bookies had some weird and wonderful names. I mean, Derek McInnes, he was one of the top bloody... Oh, uh, incredible. I, I mean, he will never, ever be in the frame again. At his level, you don't turn us down and then expect no. to be offered the job later. See if he had went off to another club or he had done amazingly with Aberdeen, like won the league or something like that, then yeah, you could say that. But at his level, he will never be offered no. that job again because no. you'd never turn down us and then get it again. Derek, as you said, and again, you've hit the nail right in the head. Before Steven Gerrard was even announced as the Rangers manager, Van Bronckhurst for me was the man to go for because he was just fresh from winning the league with Feyenoord, wasn't he? And doing something quite spectacular in Holland, winning the Cups and, you know, getting a, a real, you know, big name for, for himself, managerial-wise, a player that we all loved, a player that we know, you know, a, a guy that knows the club, 
played for us, knows what it's like, knows what Glasgow's like, knows what Scotland's like. At that point in time, before Stephen Gerrard came in, he was the perfect fit, wasn't he? So, you know, um, I, I agree with you 100%. That was the guy that I was wanting in before Gerrard. So the fact that we've got him now, I'm absolutely delighted with it. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's taken us six or seven days for him to be announced, which is absolutely yep. phenomenal. Now, a lot was made of the director of football coming in and he was mm-hmm. going to sort out contracts, he was going to have a succession plan and anyone doubting that can stop their doubts now because that worked to a T right yes, there. Yes, definitely. It's, you know, it was all about having a system in place, both for succession planning, but both for having a vision for the way the style of football we're going to play. And then we've picked another manager which plays a very, very similar style who could slot right into that one there. I mean, apparently we met, we we stated we met with two other candidates, and the club stated that they were not named in the media, so unsure who they were. Unsure yep. if they even existed, to be honest. But Ronald Koeman could have been possibly one of them, which that no, would have been another exciting name, yeah, but I think we've probably got been. the better one. Definitely, Derek. I, as you say, hats off you know, to, to Rangers for the way that they've, ha- they've handled this straight away. I think, Derek, as soon as Stephen Gerrard went, and I can honestly say, you know, 100% telling the truth here, I said straight away, we need to go and get Van Bronckhurst. Now, I actually said it to my wife uh, as, as soon as it happened. I said, we need to go and get Van, Van Bronckhurst now, pull out all, all, all the stops to, to go and get him. That's the man that I want. And, you know, I think sort of 99% of Rangers fans out there said exactly the same. That's the man to go for. And as you say, to go out in the space of six days, get everything done, his backroom staff, everything all in place. And a huge thing for me, Derek, as well, he turned up at Ibrox with his wife and his children. Yeah, That's a huge thing because I don't think it was hiding or hairy Stephen Gerrard's wife at Ibrox the whole time he was there. Not that I can re- remember. So that as well for me shows a huge commitment by him to come over, bringing his family. And you know, Derek, on paper, and I hate, I hate making predictions like this, but certainly on paper, we've actually turned out and got a better manager than what we had. I would say so. I mean, this is the uh, this is the thing that excites me about. I'm not because we're going to get into the games which he's obviously won, but not just as an ex player. It's an ex player with who's got a worldwide reputation. Yeah. An incredibly an incredible trophy haul as well, even better than Gerrard's, and he's a proven manager. So this is the thing about him. I mean, granted, his, his managerial credentials really are only with one club, but what he had to do with Feyenoord was absolutely incredible because yeah. they're effectively the third best team and he turned them around to be the top yeah. team. China, you can't really judge him on as well because ultimately COVID hit there and the only one thing I would say about that is it's concerning why he went there in the first place. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's done and dusted. He's our manager now. Now, his background team, what a name to start with. <laughs> yeah, Boy, exactly. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and then there's Yuri Boschart and Arno Phillips. And eventually, we're, we got the assistant manager, and Dave is either Voss or Vosch, yep. and he named his assistant, and he comes from the Ajax youth setup. So, only a concern about that is, I mean, certainly a great pedigree coming from the Ajax youth setup, but he's only met him a couple of times, I think, so, which is a bit strange. Certainly, Derek, again, and I'm saying this, I, I, I hate to, to make predictions, but again, like him. On paper, you know, that's a phenomenal backroom that he's brought in, as you say, to bring in a guy like Roy, Roy Mackay for, you know, any strikers 
you know, that are cut coming in that could say, oh, I get the chance to work with Roy Mackay every day in there, you know, as his, his assistant. That's a fantastic coup, that one. It really is. Yeah. So, we suppose we better get into the games that he's, he's managed so far. However, we've got a couple of games before that where he never managed them. First game is a bit of a novelty because it was on the 10th of November. It was away to the Cumbernauld Colts and it was the Rangers B team who won 3-2 with a last-minute winner, which I missed. Oh, yep, that's right, yep. Yes, so local to me, and I always said this, if the B team were playing close to me or within a decent distance to me, I would go and see them. And certainly, as soon as I found out they were playing, I've got tickets. And I think it was actually the last time we'd done the podcast. It was that same night I found that out, and then uh, they were playing the next night. So it was a very impressive game. I I felt some very, very good plays, some one and two touch quick passing. Tony Weston was a standout. Lewis McKinnon also very impressive. We went 2-0 up. It was quite clear the B team played the exact same way as you know the the, the first team, which yes. was a case in point that we're going to try and get the, the same t- the the same system to be played throughout the juniors and the eighteens and all that kind of thing, and in typical fashion as well, we had two defensive blunders to make it two each as well, and then there was a last minute winner which I left because it was absolutely Baltic and my feet I couldn't feel them at all, and then they scored the last minute winner which was apparently a cracker as well, so. <laughs> Trust you, eh? as always yes so I would recommend it to get along as somebody's put I can't remember who it was on, on uh, Twitter tonight but they said it's just a pity that they, they play their home games in the arse end of nowhere otherwise because I would love to see a lot more of them which it is a pain in the arse why they're playing in Dumbarton you know could they not play more more central to everyone and more more tickets would get sold I seen the, the other day that they're actually changing the game against the Celtic B team to the to Hogmanay and it's actually going to be played at Ibrox Derek so there'll be a big crowd and for that one so that should be quite a bit of, you know a d- decent game to go and see I may miss that though because uh, generally these end up in fights with the crowd yeah, well, so, yeah. so the first game we've got to cover is a very very bitterly disappointing one which was Sunday the 21st of November it was a 3-1 loss at Hamden against Hibs oh. in the League Cup semi-final yeah so this was the first game where Stephen Gerrard wasn't in charge. He was already left by that point. So it was a makeshift management team. And I can't, I can't remember who it was. It the B team manager that actually was the, the manager for this game. That's right. Yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. But I think the players had checked out of this game and it wouldn't have mattered who the manager was for this yeah. game, don't you think? Yeah. It was, D- D- Derek, it was, as you say, bitterly disappointing. It was a game that, you know, it, it, it was a must-win must game because we, we need to get to a final, Derek. We, we, we need to get in there. I mean, hardly, it's, it's a great chance for, for us to get in, into a final. I think the timing of, of everything obviously made a, you know, played a huge part in the game, uh, you know, with the players. I think we could sense that the players felt a bit sort of let down. But... Like I said that night, I thought by that point, because Van Bronckhurst had been named the manager, I thought, oh, well, this surely is going to pick the players up now. They'll all be desperate to put on a big show against, you know, for him to see fighting for a first-team place with the new manager being there. And unfortunately, it didn't work out like that, did it? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the key point. The fact that Van Bronckhurst was in the stands watching this, you're fighting for your future right here. You know, a new yep. manager comes in, it always happens. So, 
It's just baffling the way the players played. But we made five changes from the Ross County game, which was the last game before the break. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Arfield, Davis, Kamara, Aribo, Kent and Morelos. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Bassey, Lundstrom, Hadji, Jack, Patterson, Bakuna, Wright and Sakala. Now, you've got to remember as well, Hibs hadn't played in about four weeks because obviously they had two postponements because of their COVID issues. So, you know, you would have thought that, yeah, they're going to be a bit fresher. However, they were going to be a bit rusty because of the lack of game time. However, they were the team that was on fire and clearly wanted it because the first half, an embarrassment, an embarrassing shambles of a defensive display in the first half. The back line were absolutely done. They don't look as if they've even played together. As per, we started the first eight minutes well. We looked fired up, played with intent and pace. And then Hibbs got a couple of early yellows as well. You would have thought that's going to put them on the, the kind of bit of edge and they're going to not play within themselves. And then they scored the goal on the ninth minute. There was a corner in from the right, right to the middle, right to Tavernier, who inexplicably tries to chest it back for whatever reason, I have no idea, tries to chest it back to the keeper. It finds the Hibbs player at the back post who collects it and smuggles it into the back of the net. So two issues there. Tavernier, what the hell was he playing at? And two... Why was there no man at the post? <laughs> Derek, how many times have you said that this season? How, how many times? It seems to be every single time we record, you say, say those words. Who was marking at the back post? To answer your question, you know, Tav, again, his, his defensive frail, he's, you know, in full show there for us. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know what he was, he was trying to do, but was he not sure that the man was on him? Did he think you know, the keeper was closer to him to collect the ball? Get no idea. You should never play a bit with the ball inside your box, Derek. The first rule is just get that ball out of there as quickly as possible. Didn't work. It was a really sloppy, comical goal to concede and, you know, straight away give us an uphill battle right for the start, you know, the start of the game. So really, really poor stuff by Rangers there, especially for James Tavernier. Dave, you had me at never play with your ball in the middle of the box. <laughs> Sorry, everything else was just a blur after that. Trust you, eh? <laughs> yeah, completely agree, though. Just absolutely madness from, from the defence. Hibs started to play better after that, and they got their second goal on the 21st minute. It was a simple through ball into the box. The attacker gets in front of Tavernier, who has a shot into the net. It was a you know very good composure and a great shot, mind you, but it was that simple. And I just yep. said to my dad, Tavernier is going to cost us another. Now, I don't fully blame Tavernier for that because Goldson should have been tracking the man and Tavernier had to come across to, to come and get him. However, he was just so lacklustre that he couldn't keep up with the man. It was pathetic. It was. And again, it was that man, Martin Boyle. Uh, I sat and I watched the game with my son and how many times is that guy going to have a good game against us, Derek? He seems... To, to turn it on I think we should just go out and try and sign him so that he just can't play against us you know <laughs> just go do what Walter Smith used, used to do when he was in charge of Rangers you know the guys that always played well against us just, just go out and sign them every time that we play against Hibs that guy has a game in his life and again I'm very impressive again really really fast but as you say, it was just far too easy for him. That goal, he basically he just uh, beat, beat the offside trap very, very easily, ran through. As you say, it was a great goal for, for him to score, but the, the, the build-up play was just far too easy for him to break us down. Really poor again. Yeah. We were playing some lovely football at times, mind you, um, from middle to front. Aribo in particular was a standout. However, again, we were doing absolutely nothing with it in the final third. And then on the 37th minute, three words you don't like to hear. Penalty to Hibs. 
Yep. Davis barges into the attacker from behind in the box. Can't argue with it. It was a it was a stone baller at the end of the day. And then a minute later, on the thirty eighth minute, three 0 with the penalty right down the middle. Keeper had no chance. So it was looking really bleak at that point, yep. wasn't it? Definitely was, Derek. We were, I think we were all shell-shocked at that stage, weren't we? Because, you know, you go 1-0 down it earlier on, you think to yourself, we've got plenty of time to get back into this. Then when it's 2-0, we think to ourselves, right, keep it tight at the back, try and get a goal before half-time, and then we've got the whole second half to try and at least get a, an equaliser. But when it goes to three, you know that that's, you know, you've got an incredible comeback to, you know, to try and get anything out of the game. And, you know, when the penalty went in, it was just, you know, I think we all knew it was curtains at that stage. Well, that's the, the worst thing he should have said, Dave, because <laughs> two minutes later, on the 39th minute, Arfield made it 3-1. Tavenier crosses in from the right, deflection off the defender, right to another defender, into the middle, who tries to clear it first time, but only to the right to Arfield, in the middle of the box, who controls it, and then curls one at the left side of the net. It was a fantastic goal, but a fortune, I don't care, because the execution in the end was spot on. 3-1, just before half-time, there was the bit of hope that you were needing. That's what we were hoping, Derek. We thought, we thought going in at half-time, surely the players will, have got a wee lift out of that for going into the second half. If we could have got anything in the first uh, half hour of the second half to bring it back to 3-2, then, you know, get game on. And again, going back, this, this is what annoyed, annoyed me the most, Derek. The new manager sitting in the, in the crowd watching us and you think to yourself, somebody, for God's sake, step up, show them, show them that we've got leaders in the team, show them that we've got players that are, you know, willing to go and just do that wee bit extra to try and get back in the game. That's what we were hoping and praying for, Derek, but as you're about to get in the second half, it didn't materialise, did it? No. You were looking for changes, I think, first off, at half-time, at least one change you were looking for, but nothing at half-time, absolutely nothing. There was probably about seven or eight players you could have taken off in that, that first half. From half-time to the 57th minute, it was really all us. Lazlo playing in the Hibs half, but doing absolutely nothing with it. Poor passing and crossing in the final third, as usual. And then came a barrage of subs over the next 20 minutes, which were... I, I'm still in shock at, to be honest now, because the 60th minute, Kent gave off for Sakala. 69th minute... <sighs> Arfield and Aribo came off, Hadji and Jack came on. 80th minute, Balogun and Kamara off, Bassi and Wright on. I, just... I know. As soon as he made the, 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 the change and brought Ryan Jack on, now, no, no offence to, to Ryan Jack, but we were looking for goals at that point, Derek. And to take off Kent, who I realised didn't have the best of games, but he's still a player that can create so much in the final third. To take him off at that stage as well, I was really quite shocked. Uh, and then, as you said there, Aribo, who was probably about our best player in the match, to take him off at that stage as well, I you know, I was quite shocked. I don't know. I don't think that Van Bronckhorst would have had much say, Derek, because he still wasn't officially the Rangers manager at that point. So I think it was all down to the guys that were in taking the team that day. But as you said as well, just a bit surprised that you know, some of the changes that, that were made. But again, we, we're not in charge, Derek. We, we don't know what was going on, but I just thought it was baffling that we weren't going out all, all attacking at that stage just to try and get that second goal, but wasn't to be. Yeah, that's how the game ended up. Arfield, after the game, stated that we were not good enough and he wasn't going to sugarcoat it, which is fair enough. And then Goldson, I think... <sighs> 
I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but yes. he criticised the whole team, including himself, fair enough. But he went on to say the players don't follow instructions. But then, damningly, he then said, it's over when you're 3-1 down at half-time. I don't want to say this, but I feel like we've lost a bit of hunger. I mean, where the fuck do you start with that? I know. Disappointed that he came away with that, Derek. Baffling that he said, you know, it was over at 3-1. Because just like, like I said, 3-0, three, three you're saying to yourself, you know, it's over. But the fact that we got that goal just before half-time, I thought it was going to give everyone a lift at that stage. It should have, Derek. It should have gave the whole team a lift. So, really quite surprised that he said that. The whole hunger thing, Derek, there's a lot of people have went absolutely mental about goals since he said that. I am trying to think that he said this to try and maybe get a reaction out of the players. Out of his teammates, he maybe went about it the wrong way, but maybe this is what he was trying to do himself, just to you know to try and get a, a foot up the arse. And including myself, things were different than they were for the se- season before. So I am I'm trying, like you, to be di- di- diplomatic over it, but still you know annoyed with the fact that he came out and said at half time that you, you, you know the game was finished. I know there are a lot of people who are annoyed with the fact that he was going on about the, the lost or hunger and stuff like that. But I am trying to think that he was doing it just to try and m- m- maybe get a reaction out, out, out of the team. That's what I'm hoping he was trying to do it in any way, Derek. Whether he was or he wasn't, you know, only he knows, you know. The thing is, though, is had you done, he never said it that worse, he never said it that bad. He did criticise the team because I think it might have been a European game. He came on in the second half and scored a goal and I think got us a, a victory or, or got us a draw. I can't remember draw, ex- yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. But he criticised the team in the first half and he criticised his, his you know teammates. And he's he was quite right to do that because he wasn't on the field. The team were playing shockingly and he came on and effectively changed the game by scoring the goal or setting up the goal, whatever it was. So you say it in that context, that's fine. But when Goldson is one of the, the key players who has been absolutely abysmal this season, and let's no sugarcoat that, he's been abysmal this season, considering he was one of the best players last year, played every single minute and he was outstanding because he'd done, he'd done the simple job and cleared the lines. Now he's thinking he's big Billy Big Boss because he's won the won the league. He was played amazing, and he thinks he can get this big money move to to the Premiership by not signing a contract. So, you know, he's got a cheek saying that, and it's a kick in the teeth to the fans because I think yes, in some respects, he maybe is correct in saying it, but there's ways to go about it, and you certainly don't hear it in public like that. So we'll see because you know we've certainly got a reaction from the players since then. Yes, uh, as we'll get and- into. I and him as well, Derek. I mean, I think we have to. I think we have to to recognise, as I'm sure you that, that, that you're going to get into with the games coming up. He's been outstanding since since, since he personally said that he's you know he's played v- v- very well. So, like I said, I'm hoping he did it to try and get a you know a reaction. He just maybe went about it the wrong way, but we'll wait and see. But you know, as I say, go, go, going into the games co- coming up, Derek. It's certainly been much better performance by the players, you know, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I want to say about the game, though, is that police, I've not seen any further reports of this, but police are investigating bottles and cans being thrown by Rangers fans hitting Hibs players. Not acceptable whatsoever. And there's going to be a common theme with away away games in the next couple of games I'm coming up. They're embarrassing us once again. I'll leave it there now because I've got other things to say about it later on. However, the next game... 
was another vital game. It was effectively win by two or go into the next game in Europe. But it was Thursday the 25th of November. It was a 2-0 win at home against Sparta Prague in the Europa League Group A Game 5. And that put us through to the next round with a game to spare. Yep. Before the game as well, obviously BT Sport were covering the game. They were going to be covering the early Celtic game when they wanted to set up their, their commentary booth within Ibrox. But Rangers, again, withheld Chris Sutton's uh, credentials for, for being a journalist there. So quite right. After all the shite he, he says about us, quite right. And then BT afterwards put a press release stating that they will not be dictated to in the future. <laughs> Absolutely laughable. I think as well, Derek, what annoyed me is that they used the narrative of it being more about Neil Lennon than it was about Chris Sutton. And I think that that annoyed me as well because we all knew the, 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 the real reasons that were done. But again, it was it was made out as if it was more to do with the fact that Neil Lennon was there, you know, j- just as much as Chris Sutton and th- stuff like that. But uh, I'm sure Neil Lennon would, would, would have got a standard ovation, you know, if he'd have walked out in front of all the Rangers fans, you know. So uh, aye, a bit a bit pathetic, but, uh, you know, uh, Rangers are co- quite right to stand by what they've said said before, uh, you know, with regards to, because some of the comments, I realise that he's a wind-up merchant, Derek, he's doing it for re- reaction, but he's been extremely un- un- unprofessional with a lot of the stuff that he's said about Rangers, so he gets a- a- everything, he, you know, he, he deserves a bit of everything that he gets as it comes to coming to Ibrox and stuff like that, so well done. I just find it laughable, though, with BT, is do they not realise where their bread's buttered in this one here? So you've just come off of having one of the world's most recognisable players as manager. You've now got another superstar manager lined up. Half your Scottish fan base are Rangers fans. Your whole mode of operation is based on subscriptions. Why do they think subscriptions are going down and people are using VPNs, using IVP TV and all that kind of shit? You just have to laugh at these companies who they claim that they'll not be dictated to in future. We're your customers. If we don't like something, we'll vote by turning off. Simple as. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was Van Bronckhurst's first game in charge. It was two changes from the Hibs game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Kamara, Davis, Aribo, Kent, Morelos and Hadji. On the subs bench, we, end, we lined up McLaughlin, McCrory, Arfield, Bakuna, Jack, Kelly, King, Lundstrom, Patterson, Sakala and Wright. So in the first half, overall got to be happy with the first half, especially yeah. since it's the first game in seven where we've been the first to score, which yes. is absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling. We started off with intent, with purpose, with pace, and bar maybe two five-minute spells, we were completely on top. We were knocking the ball about well, pressing, passing into space, players moving into space, not giving up when the ball seems like a lost cause as well. Only 15 seconds gone, we went wide right to Morelos who crosses in, but Kent couldn't get there. It was dangerous play straight away yeah. from us. On the sixth minute, it was a superb drive and run from Kent from the left, drifting into the box on the left, cuts it back, finds a rebound on the right side of the box who collects it, controls, finds space and hits an effort which cannons off the bar. Really unlucky there. And then... The first game in seven, on the 14th minute, we went 1-0 up with Morella scoring. It was a lovely flu- through ball from the right side to Hadji, running towards the right side of the box. Hadji slides in to beat the defender, squares it to Morellas, who slots it past the keeper with a first-time shot. It, absolutely instinctive from him there, but what you've got to say is Hadji done the work there. The tenaciousness of him not giving up there to get the ball and beat the defender, fantastic. That's what it was, Derek. It was the determination there by Hadji to make sure that he got that cross across to Alfredo Morelos. And as you say, the finish from Morelos controlled 
flowing shot, you know, right in, into the bottom corner. It was a fantastic goal by Morelos. He never lets us down in Europe, Derek, and that was just another tremendous an important goal for us. Great start to the game. I did the post-match uh, re- reaction to this. I was absolutely delighted with the way that we played, especially in the first, you, you know, the first half of the first half. I thought we were excellent. We were, we were really, you know, dominating the game right for right for kickoff and got just desserts there with that great goal. Twenty-third minute, a lovely ball over the top to Hadji on the right-hand side. He lets it bounce into the box. A great cross into the centre and a rebo with a half volley over the bar. An outstanding move that was. However, the best chance for Sparta was probably in the two minutes later on the 25th minute. It was an outstanding save by the foot of McGregor after the ball was worked down the right-hand side. They got the break of the ball, crossed in on the deck and a shot from about four yards out, but McGregor matched it with his feet. Brilliant yep. save. It was, Derek, and still you know, showing us that they were still a threat on, on, on the break as well, so something that we would really have to, to watch out for and, and be wary of. Yeah, in the half as well, Sparta had about two free kicks in dangerous positions, but gladly for us, wasted opportunities as they put them over the bar. And that's really how the first half ended up. Second half, obviously we're looking for a two-goal margin. Keep going in the second half and we need to get the second there. Into the second half though, another great performance. We kept up the intensity and we got our rewards because we got our second vital goal on the 48th minute with Morelos scoring. On the 48th minute, it was a long diagonal by Goldson. The defender slips. Kent drives the ball forward into the box. He cuts inside and hits a curler, but it was just wide. And from that goal kick, that's when we scored because Morelis made it 2-0. From the goal kick, it was a short kick to the defender on the right-hand side. He passes to another defender on the edge of the box who passes back to the original defender who was getting pressed. He tried to chip it for some weird reason to the other side of the box, only to find Morelis unmarked and... Again, another instinctive move by Morelos. He headers it into the back of the net as it was getting crossed in. Outstanding from Morelos there. It was, Derek. But the the defender from Sparta, he, you know, that was the, the, the cardinal sin when it comes to defending, when it comes to football. That is the first thing that you teach, you know, a kid at three and four years old when they're playing football. Never, ever put the ball back across the face of your own goal and not only did he do that he basically put the perfect cross right across and Morello has seen it happen and he anticipated it the guy crossed the ball over to the other defender and Morello's got got in there he saw it was happening jumped in rose above them headed the ball past into the net absolutely fantastic by him as you say instinctive great goal as well and I've, I've perfect time for us to score the second goal as well Derek so slightly you know fortuitous but I'm really no caring it was a great time for us to get that second one yeah absolutely Certainly we had another couple of chances throughout the game. Sparta were largely ineffective for most of it. Towards the end of the game obviously you know 2-0 it was it was curtains for them they would have been out if they brought it back to 2-1 then everything was to play for in the last game so they made a couple of changes round about the 75th minute and they were by far getting on top of us there. And amazingly, on the 80th minute, so a double substitution to combat it because Kent and Aribo came off, Sakala and Arfield came on. As I said, the game was starting to get away from us at that point. Yep. And we used subs to combat it. Absolutely fantastic. That is what you're meant to use subs for. When you're clearly on the back foot and you've got the ability to do it, you use subs. Definitely, Derek. It's things like that. Maybe uh, a criticism that we've had is Stephen Gerrard, even last season, 
was his in, in, inability to use the subs correctly. And you've, as I say again, you've hit the nail right in the head there. That's what they should be doing. Game management, especially in a crucial time with the score being what it was, that's you know that's when we need manager to 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 use his experience, and that's when you use your squad to the full. So no, I was exactly the same as you, Derek. You know, great, great use of the subs there. However, we did have a scare on the 86 minute because they were having relentless pressure at this point. It was just quick corner after quick corner, and then they were just playing very, very rapid football. A series of quick corners from the right. The ball was lofted into the back post, and then an absolutely incredible save by the hand of McGregor knocked it out, but it was knocked back in again, and going goal-bound, but another incredible save, by this time by the foot of McGregor, yep. and eventually knocked away. I mean, beforehand, uh, in the games running up to this, when McGregor was playing, Everybody to a man was saying, I think maybe McGregor's, this is it, he's really yes, need to get uh, dropped yep. and, and go. Mm-hmm. After that performance, absolutely Aye. no way, because he can pull something out of nothing, and that no other keeper would have got that. That was just incredible from them. Derek, that is as good as us getting a third goal, was that, was that save. Absolutely sensational. <laughs> the, the first save, sensational save, but the second one, the instinctive way that it had to use his feet to get the ball because that was in the back of the net how, how he managed to do that quite incredible and that's been basically at, at the end what, what saved the game because you could just tell after that that the Sparta players just knew that they weren't going to score against us and how many times in the past Derek great Rangers team, teams of the past have we conceded goals at vital times in European games just like that I mean it's just happened so so many times and f- you, you know for us to, to do that and stay you know 2-0 at that stage it's such a vital part of the game absolutely sensational hats off to Alan McGregor there absolutely brilliant yep and then that was the game done and dusted. So, with a game to spare, into the next round <sighs> of the Europa League. Um, considering we lost the first two games of this group yep. stage, that is nothing short of phenomenal. It is, Derek. And, you know, I, we give the credit to Stephen Gerrard as well when he was there. It's, it's basically his team that, that, that's got us there. I'll be honest with you, Derek, I didn't think that we were going to do it. You know, a, a few games ago in, in Europe, I didn't think we were going to do it. I thought we were going to fall short. But all credit to the players for getting us through absolutely tremendous and as you say to do it with a game to spare considering we got beat the first two games is you know quite fantastic absolutely delighted was proud as punch anybody that, that, that listened to the wee pod that I did after that game will know how, how delighted I was and I still am it's just it was a fantastic achievement for us yet again in Europe Yes, and Celtic later that night ended up losing and ultimately getting put out of the Europa League. Granted, yep. they're going into the the Conference League. I've always been worried about you know Celtic dropping down into that just in case because I thought oh there's going to be lesser teams there, but some of the teams they could face are going to be bloody tough. But no talking about them. I no. mean, in terms of us, it was uh, phenomenal. As I said, considering we lost the first two games, we've got a difficult task ahead of us because it's going to be the the third place, the Champions League, I believe we're going to face. So there's some formidable teams in that, but just to get to that next round well, yeah. is, is, is amazing uh, second year in a row as well brilliant it, it is Derek and you know I would rather again that we were the underdogs here I always prefer us to be the underdogs in Europe because we've basically got, got nothing to lose Derek and that's when we play our best so really looking forward to it, it gives us all something to look forward to in the new year still playing in Europe and of course Derek the money side of things will be massive for, for, for us as well. So just a great, great job. 
Yeah, two wins in a draw we've got out of the group stages, and we've already made something like ten million pound because yep. because just from appearance fees alone, not that's not counting crowds or anything yep. like that, and that's because they've upped the fees as well this year. So that's an incredible as well. Yeah, so fantastic. Yes. So the next games, the next three games, I'm going to just kind of quickly skip over them because I've never seen the Livingston game and I've never taken notes for the, the two games after that. I did watch them, but it was through a haze of delirium and drugs that I kind of watched them. So, <laughs> And that's good nothing to do with you, know, if you're feeling well. <laughs> exactly. So the next game was Sunday the 28th of November. It was a 3-1 win away against Livingston in the Premiership. You know, from all accounts, it was a pretty good performance again. Uh, we did a, bit, a wee bit nervy when it was 2-1, um, but eventually we, we wrapped it up and, and got the third goal. And I don't think Livy had many great things to no. do. I think they had a double save again from McGregor at one point, and that was about it. Again, Derek, it went, you know, when it was two, it, it was 2-1, so as soon as we scored the second goal, we can look back in hindsight now, but Livingston basically had done nothing, uh, you know, when it was it, it was 2-1, we managed to get the third goal. Rangers were in complete control in, in the second half. It never feels like that, <laughs> you know, when you're watching Rangers and there's only a goal in it, it never, ever feels like that. But when you look back, we, we really weren't in that much bother, Derek. It was a very controlled performance and a potentially difficult game for uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst to take charge his first league game for us Derek so you know an excellent win for us away from home the Rangers fans were out in numbers you know we got the three stands at Livingston so it was basically like a home game uh, and just an excellent win on on, on the road for, for us you know away, away from home uh, and, and like I said a potentially a bit of a banana skin going to Livingston as a lot of other teams will tell you but no an excellent performance for us in that game and a great victory yeah, so in the eighth minute it was 1-0 with Arfield scoring a lovely long diagonal yep. by Tavenier down the right. Arfield collects it on the bounce and then lobs the keeper with a half volley. Yep. An outstanding goal that was. Brilliant goal, yep. Went 2-0 up in the 16th with a rebo scoring. It was a lovely switch from right to left by Hadji. Kent on the left, passes into the box to Morelos, who has a one-time flick onto a rebo at the edge of the box. It was a lovely dink off the bar and into the back of net. What a goal. Tremendous goal again, and I, Derek Aribo for me over the last, you know, since Van Bronckers came in has been a real shining light for me. I think he's he's, he's actually got better than he was before. Is he's shown his, his leadership qualities as well, but making the team drive on, and that was another special goal for him. Tremendous stuff. Yep. However, Livingston pulled it back on the 30th minute. It was a long ball over the top of Goldson, as per usual. A great control by the Livy player, in fairness. And as a shot, it was a great initial save by McGregor. However, it spills, and the attacker headers it in with the follow-up into the back of the net. Not long after that, it was an incredible save by McGregor at the near post after a ball was crossed in from the right, flicked onto the back post, where the attacker has a shot from about two yards, and McGregor somehow manages to tip it over the bar with his hands. What a save. Yep. And then it was into half time. Uh, obviously it had been snowing as well, so all the snow had been cleared off the park to the side. <laughs> a lot of snowballs getting flung, a bit of banter. It was all in amongst the crowd initially, and then they started throwing it onto the pitch, which delayed the game. Just, again, not on. And then, to add it to that, some fans were singing about Tommy Burns. I mean, what the fuck are you playing it? I mean, once again, away fans being absolute idiots. You don't need that attention to us. The club doesn't need that attention. See, when we're fighting on all fronts against idiots about nonsensical, you know, fake videos and shit like that, it doesn't look good when you're giving them ammunition just to say, oh, we'll see, that's what you're doing. Why is it always, always, always 
fans have to spoil it for for the rest of us. As you say, Derek, it's ammunition, isn't it? We, we all know that the haters out there are looking for the slightest wee thing to paint us in a bad light, and that's just the perfect, you know, the perfect ammunition for them. You know, absolutely stupid. The the snowballs were, you know, as soon as they come pelting down and there was going to be, be a delay, I thought, oh, that's it. But, you know, we'll get absolute, pardon the pun, pelters for that one. But then, as you say, the, the singing as well, it's, it's not on... It's again, it just it just paints all the supporters in the same light, Derek, and it just gives the the press. It gives you know all our critics out there. It just gives them something to paint us in a bad light and just stupid more than anything else. Yep. However, back into the game, the last thing I've got is uh, on the seventieth minute we made it three one with Sakala scoring. It was a corner in from the right into the centre, finds a towering Sakala who had leapt up well into the air and headers it into the back of the net. Some of the photoshops I've seen of that jump, by the way, outstanding. <laughs> Derek, the highlight of the game for me wasn't Sakala scoring the goal. The highlight of the game for me was Sakala coming off the bench. And he was standing warming up, getting ready to come on and the fans had saw him coming on and they started singing the Shakira song you know the one I'm on about, I'm not going to sing it because it'll be stuck in my head for the rest of the night <laughs> but they started singing it Derek and the huge smile on his face as soon as he heard the fans singing that you could tell how chuffed the bits that he was, desperate to get on and then for him to score the goal Derek, as you say what a leap for a guy which I reckon is about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, when he jumps, you know, completely out-jumped the defender when the ball came in and he jumped from, you know, no no run-up either. It was just like, you know, just, you know, one step, the, the leap that he got, banged the header in. I was absolutely delighted for him. It was just a great moment. The fans as well that were singing for, for, for him coming on. It was just, it was brilliant. Absolutely tremendous. I love, I love things like that. And the guy's smile just, you know, it's just, it brightens up everybody's day, doesn't it? That big gap in the teeth and the big <laughs> smile is just it's just fantastic. He just looks so happy to be there. That's the type of player that, that we want, Derek, because we know that he will just give 100% if he gets the slightest opportunity for us. That's, that's the type of guy we want. I was just really, really pleased for him as well. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Excellent. So, a good one there, and we're going into the next game, which is Wednesday the 1st of December. It was a 1-0 win away against Hibs in the Premiership. Really, there's not a lot to say about the game, to be no. honest, because it was a poor game overall. Yes. It lacked any quality. We had the better the chances and more possession. You thought getting into the dying minutes of the game, it was going to be a really disappointing you know, result, especially because we had to give them payback for the cup result, especially because Hibs, they've got beat off bloody Ross County, the bottom of the table, as soon yep. as they beat us uh, in the cup game as well. That's what was frustrating about that. Hibs are on poor form, apart from when they play us. However, we did get a goal. It's those three words you love to hear on yes. the 85th minute penalty to Rangers. Kent gets into the box, clearly taken out by Porteous. I cannot believe there was any debate about it afterwards. I mean, Jack Ross said, I'd be looking for it myself, but it was the wrong decision. <laughs> what? It's not the first time he said that when it came to Porteous as well. Oh. It, was, it was sweet, Derek, the fact that it was Porteous. It was very sweet, Derek. It was as clear a penalty as you'll ever see. Anybody that says it wasn't is basically just hates Rangers. That's all it is. It was it was a clear penalty. It was even sweeter that it was Porteous that gave it away. And it was at a crucial time in the game, right at the end. 
just what we're looking for because Derek, there was nothing happening in that game at all. Just like you said, it was a very poor poor game from both teams. Wasn't a lot of quality. We were the better team when it comes to, you know, holding onto the ball and trying to get forward. But really, there was nothing much in that game. So for us to get a penalty at that stage of the game was was absolutely crucial for us, wasn't it? Yeah. And Roof dispatched the penalty easily. So, I mean, once again, he scored in goals. Didn't care if it was a penalty or not. No, excellent. And as I say, that was a high pressure moment, Derek. So hats off to the guy. He scored that got us the goal, got us all three points. Crucial three points at that state stage as well, so just absolutely delighted. Yes. And the last game we've got to cover here, Saturday the 4th of December, it was a 3-0 win at home against Dundee in the Premiership. Now, I was meant to be on my works night out that night, so I wasn't going to get to see it. However, the Lord had taken care of that, so no works night out. However, I did get to see the game. Uh, you know, it was a fantastic performance. Sakala yes. was hungry, Arebo was outstanding, Morelos was poor in the first half, better in the second half. It was really only us that was in it. Their keeper kept it a respectable scoreline, ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Arebo on the 36 minute made it 1 0. It was outside the box on the right, shimmies by a couple of players, cuts inside, and hits a shot at the edge of the box. Took a slight deflection off the defender and into the back of net. As I've always said, don't care how they go in as long as they go in. Exactly, and as we keep saying, Derek, if you don't shoot, you know, and, and anything can happen, and uh, that just shows you what happens when you do shoot, it ends up in the back of the net, so uh, it was what we deserved, Derek, as you say, we were on the front foot right for the start of the game, all, all out attacking, Dundee were pinned back in, in, into their own box for like nearly the, nearly the entire game, so no more than we deserved at that stage. Yes, and the 55th minute we made it 2-0 when it was an OG it was a cross by Aribo on the left the defender sticks his foot out and puts the ball into the back of his net from about 6 yards so the defender had to go for it but again, you know, cross the ball in shoot, I don't care, exactly. as long as it goes yep. in we rounded out the game. On the 70th minute, Morelis made it 3-0. Arfield tried to thread the ball into the box for Morelis. Morelis gets in between two defenders. A bit of fortune with the break of the ball, but all that happened simply down to the sheer determination for Morelis to get the ball while wrestling the players, ultimately, legally, of course, and they managed to stick a shot in into the back of the net from about eight yards. Just sheer determination for Morelis there. That was the type of Morelis we like to see. Delighted for him, Derek. I think, you, you, you know how much I love the guy. He's been taking a lot of stick recently. He's not been as prolific as we want, want him to be. As you say, that's the type of play that, that we want from him. He was just more determined than anyone else to get that ball. Shrugged the players off, showed his strength, and then showed his, you, you know, his quality, the composure, the finish, everything. I'm delighted for him. And, you know, it really did. We were, we were looking for a half-decent score in that game, considering how well we had been playing the entire game. And that was just what we were needing at that stage. So, no, absolutely delighted for him. Delighted for Van Bronckhurst. You know, the, the, the game, it's, it's, it's one-sided a game, as, as you'll ever see. The stats were quite incredible, actually, with the possession, the shots at goal, the fact that the game was basically played in the Dundee half for huge spells of the match. And uh, as you said, Derek, if it wasn't for the Dundee keeper, that could easily have been 7 or 8 nothing at that stage. So, you know, excellent. And, you know, by far the best that we've played in a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, one notable mention, though, is Lee Griffiths came on as a sub. He was right, <laughs> rightly booed and abused by by our fans. He had even given a gesture to our fans as well yep. uh, when he was warming up. Yep. A bad challenge let him pick up a booking, and he should have seen a red for another bad challenge, but the referee absolutely shat it. Yes. The Dundee manager at the end of the game had the cheek to come away with the fact that he was claiming that our players and fans were goading him and trying to get him sent off. Well, gee, that fucking <laughs> happens in football, mate. <laughs> Derek, if it's one player that plays in Scottish football, I've got absolutely no sympathy for it. Is that man? He's done everything that he can over the years to try and get the boot into us as much as possible. Try to get players set, sent off as much as possible. Try to wind up the fans as much as possible, so he gets everything he deserves. And this bullshit that you hear from people chipping saying that Rangers fans were being sectarian towards him—absolute nonsense that was as well. The Rangers fans were basically singing songs about the guy about things that he has done quite rightly so that he should be outed for and uh, you know he he should have no complaints whatsoever as a matter of fact Derek just like you say a very lucky man that he wasn't sent off because he really should have been for that second challenge yeah I mean there's players that come and go and they're it's all gamesmanship I mean as much as Scott Brown is a wanker he, he plays a lot of gamesmanship and that's Right, fair play. He's a wanker, I hate him, but his gamesmanship. There's nothing malicious about him, though, in that respect, I don't think. Whereas Lee Griffiths, Griffiths yes. it's pure maliciousness. Totally. He's just a silly wee childish arsehole who does things out of pure spite. Not because he's trying to wind anybody up, just because it's funny, because he does it pure spitefully. And you've seen his history, his criminal record, what he gets involved in on and off the field. That's why people hate him. So, anyway, no spending time on that wanker anyway. So, in the table, we've played 16, won 12, drawn 3, lost 1, scored 36, conceded 14, goal difference 22, and we're on 39 points. Still four ahead of Celtic, nine ahead of Hearts, but we've got a game in hand against them. 14, uh, 14 ahead of Dundee United and Motherwell, and we've got a game in hand against them as well. So, that just shows you... You know, considering Hearts were right up there at one point, you know, they're still way behind us. We've got yes. a game in hand against them. Hibs are 20 points behind us. Uh, they've got a game in hand, mind you. So it just shows you, you know, as I've said, these other teams are insignificant. They do not have the sustaining power. A lot's been said about, allegedly, this great start and this transformation that, that Ange Postacoglu has done for Celtic. Well, at the same point, I, I think it wasn't including the last weekend game there, but I think with 15 games gone... Celtic have scored less points than they did last year at the same point after 15 games gone. And that was, you know, deemed an absolutely atrocious season from them. So, you know, it's all to play for. You know, four points is no gap at all. We need to be mindful. We need to keep on winning. Yep. Celtic are going to drop points. We'll probably drop points at some point as well because it quite easily could have happened against Hibs. We just need to, you know, keep tight at the back, which seems to have happened since, um, as you were saying, about goals and everybody doing well, better. Yep, that's, that's what I said, Derek, and I'll, I'll, I'll give him some credit as well. Like I said earlier on, he has been, you know, really outstanding in some of those games. But you know, back to being the sort of reliable defender that we were looking for, considering he's been playing alongside basically a left back, which is Calvin Bassey playing alongside him. So I will give him credit for that Derek you know and I'm hoping like I said before that that was him trying to get a reaction I just think it was a a, a bad uh, 
play on words by him. That's what I'm hoping in, in anyway. So, but uh, certainly a, a lot bit better by him and the team as a whole. Derek, I think everyone is now excited. They've got you know a, a great manager in. They've got a, a manager that they all want to play for, that they all want to impress, and it's just good, good to see. I thought so. Some of the play against Dundee was excellent, Derek. I really did. It's a, a, well, like I said, this season, especially in the league, that's the best that, that, that we've played. So here's hoping that that's the start and we can get even better because I think guys like Joe Aribo is just going going to the next level now, Derek. I think he's looked absolutely fantastic in the last few games. Yeah, I mean, we just need to wait and see what happens in January with the window as well, though. That's the the only thing. However, the next games we've got to come up is Thursday the 9th of December, away against Lyon in the Europa League game Group A game six, seventeen forty-five kickoff. A dead rubber game for both teams because we've both qualified and we'll not be able to change position either. They're too far ahead. The ticket in first though. Um, eventually, we were allowed two thousand people, the two thousand fans to attend. Then we were allowed nobody due to this stupid festival of light that's meant to be happening in in Leon at the same time. And then the next day, we're allowed to go again, but all the flights have been cancelled. So the French authorities are absolutely scandalous with this one. UEFA or somebody need to be taken up up with the, the, the French government with this. I mean, what what they're actually saying with this whole thing is, is they do not have the policing resources to both police the Festival of Light as well as a football match at the same time with only 2,000 away fans. So you're still allowing loads of home fans in, Exactly. But you're not allowing 2,000. So you try to tell me you cannot police all of that. That is absolutely farcical. It really yep. is. I think it's just proof they didn't want Rangers fans attending in the first place. It was just too much hassle for them. So I don't know if there's going to be any recourse in that. Hopefully the people that have already made their way out there managed to get accommodation and everything there. Hopefully people, if they, they've not lost too much money, they can get flights out there. People have obviously paid for you know COVID tests and everything which, which they had to go through. Uh, it's just a, a complete joke all, all around. It, it definitely is, Derek. I, I actually couldn't quite believe it. Today, more than anything else, when they said that the Rangers fans were allowed to, to go back after the announcement just yesterday, that you know that they said that they, they couldn't go, I thought that's an absolute nightmare. There'll have been so many people will have went and changed their plans when they were told they couldn't go and then be absolutely d- disappointed. So, like you, I hope the vast majority of the fans that were supposed to be gone could still go and are still going to the, the game just a complete farce for, for start to finish, Derek. It really was. And, and like you say, for the sake of 2,000 fans, quite incredible. But there's not much more we can say about it other, other than it's just been a complete farce. Yeah. Next game, Sunday the 12th of December, away against Hearts in the Premiership. That's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Again, ticketing issues because they've only given us a 1,000 tickets. The club, Rangers have said that they're disappointed. 11,000 have had applied for it. We usually get the full stand behind their goal and I'm sure on occasion we've been given the two stands behind the goals as well. Now, I have absolutely no issue with this if Hearts can sell it out. That's their right to sell tickets to their own fans as we've done with the Broomlin and, and closing off that for Celtic fans as well. I think the Rangers should have stayed quiet about it until after the game, though, to see if Hearts could sell the tickets, and if they couldn't, then have a go at them for that. Ultimately, the only you know club that's going to miss out really is is Hearts if they don't yeah. sell the ticket because they'll not be getting the revenue. So, if only you know a lot of other clubs seen the light like Livingston do, they know they can't sell the the, the stadium to their home fans. They don't have enough fans sell it to the, the away fans. Yes, maybe a detriment that makes it more like a home fixture to the away team, but at the same time. 
Scottish football is on its arse when it comes to money. Every penny's a prisoner. Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah. Next game after that is Wednesday the 15th of December at home against St Johnston. That's a 1945 kickoff. Saturday the 18th of December at home to Dundee United in the Premiership. Uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff. Sunday the 26th of De- December, Boxing Day game. That's at home to St Mirren. That's again a, f- a three o'clock kickoff. And the last game to round out December is Wednesday the 29th of December away against Aberdeen. That's a 1945 kickoff. And then obviously we'll have the, the New Year fixture against Celtic. That's right, Derek. So we've got some huge games coming up, certainly starting with the next match. As you say, we're only four points clear. But at the same time, we just need to concentrate on ourselves, Derek. We we, we said this last season as well. Concentrate on us. Don't concentrate on the teams that are behind us. Just make sure that we go out, put on a performance each and every game, get the victory that, 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 that we're looking for. And, you know, if we can go through this month you know, Derek can pick up maximum points. That'll be absolutely massive, you know, for for, for the, the games coming up in January. So let's go for it. Let's really hope that they can step it up and certainly going by the way that things have been going up to the Dundee game when everything clicked there, Derek, it looks as if it's moving in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. So we'll now go into the classic match. And there it is. The final whistle's gone. Rangers have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So, Dave, you're going back, what, 20, 25 years? Oh, I certainly am, Derek. I'm going back to, well, 1995. I'm going back, Derek, when we played a game against Hearts. The Rangers team that day was Andy Gorham and goals, Alec Cleland, Petrich, Davy Robertson, Alan McLaren, Richard Goff, Paul Gascoigne, a player, Derek, who only played a couple of games for Rangers. A few Rangers fans will remember him by the name of Brian McGinty. He was only 18 years old. Ali McCoist, Charlie Miller and Brian Loudrup in the Rangers team that day. And the Harps team, Russi, Locke, Richie, Mackay, Berry, Bruno, Johnson, Eskelson, Robertson, Fulton and Miller. So it's a well-known names there for the, the Harps team. But the game start, started off and Harps were certainly trying to uh, you know, stamp their authority in the game. And the first chance of the match actually came for Harps right at the start of the game in the first minute. Uh, Locke on the right wing, he crosses it in, into the box to Eskelson. He headed over the bar. He had a free header at that point as well. So, worrying start there for Rangers. But then Rangers start to come back into it with Paul Gascoigne pulling all the strings in the first half for Rangers. Gaza gets the ball just inside the half takes the ball, threads a fantastic ball through to Charlie Miller, who was in the byline. He cuts his shot back to the edge of the box to Ali McCoyst. His shot hits the defender, goes out for the corner. Really, really un- unlucky. Uh, but Ali McCoyst was certainly heading for, for the goal there. It was a great sweeping move starting from Paul Gascoigne. The corner came to nothing, though, unfortunately. Uh, still 0-0 at that point. And then, then Rangers gaining more possession in the game. Paul Gascoigne at the edge of his own box, across to, to Richard Goff, a ball up to Alec Cleland in the halfway line, into Gordon Petrich, just inside the Hearts half, through ball to Charlie Miller, then to Ali McCoyce on the edge of the box, who had his back to goal. He turns, hits a low shot, which was saved by Rousset. Fantastic play by Rangers. The build-up play was superb. Really unlucky there by Ali McCoyce. Then Robertson, a yellow uh, for a slightly reckless tackle. Pasquale Bruno, though, really should have got something because he kicked out. 
he only got a yellow card at that stage. He certainly tried to, to injure, I think it was David Robertson at that stage, really uh, lucky to get away with just just a yellow there. And then, and then the first real chance of the game uh, falls for Hearts, though. Eskilson, he lays the ball to Johnson at the edge of the box. He blasts it to go. A fantastic save by Andy Gorham and cleared away at that stage. Then a long-range shot by Locke at the edge of the box. It was gathered up by Gorham pretty easily. Still nil now. Hearts were coming back in, in, into the game at this stage. Great chance for Petrich, though. Free kick swung into the box with Paul Gascoigne. Petrich with a header, free header. Hits the ball over the bar. Really should have scored. And that's how the game finished at half-time. So a couple of we ch- uh, a change straight away at half-time. McGinty, who was struggling to get into the game, he came off. Stuart McCall came on. Then in the second half, first real chance of the second half fell for Hearts. Lock with a shot for the edge of the box, but saved again pretty comfort- comfortably by Andy Gorham. Then another sub for Rangers, Gordon Jury coming on for Charlie Miller. And then a great chance for Rangers, Alec Cleland played into the box. He cuts the ball back, it hits the Hearts defender on the arm, which to me was a penalty, but the ball falls for Ali McCoist. He hits a fantastic shot. Gilles Rousset tips the ball over the bar for a corner. But for some reason, the referee gave a bye kick. Ali McCoist incensed for the fact that we should have had a penalty and we should have had a corner straight after it. But no, wasn't given a goal kick to Hearts. So Hearts really, really lucky with that one. Then David Robertson for Rangers, a long range shot. Saved by Rousset though, still nil nil. But then Rangers, like as the now, the three greatest words in the English language, Penalty for Rangers, and Rangers it was that got it. Kept in play by Loudrop. Still the pressure's on. Still it's Loudrop. Down he goes. That's a penalty. A certain penalty kick. Steve Fulton was the offender. A little change of direction and pace by Loudrop. Well, 64 minutes gone. Rangers have the penalty and the chance to make the breakthrough. Sally McCoy preparing to take it. Can he make it goal number 11? Of the season, he certainly can. Hearts now, Rangers one. Ali McCoist scores an important goal for Rangers to add to the many others. More than 300 competitive goals he has. Brian Loudrop, he ghosts in, into the box, past Steve Fulton at the edge of the box. Steve Steve Fulton just scythes him down. Just, you know, there's, there's absolutely, you, you can't see it in, anymore. As clear-cut a penalty as you can get. And then the 64th minute, Ali McCoy steps up and fires low to the left of Rousse for Rangers to make it 1-0. But then straight away, straight after it, really unlucky there, Goal disallowed for Rangers, and it was great play by Brian Loudrop on the right-hand side. He beats his man, crosses it to the back post. Jury heads it back over towards Gaza. He heads it in, running away celebrating, but the offside flag went up. Really marginally offside, really unlucky there. So still 1-0 to Rangers. But at that stage, Paul Gascoigne was really running the show for, for Rangers at that point trying to get the second goal. We didn't have to wait much longer because in the 68th minute, we managed to get the second goal. Here comes Petrich. Well, Hutz finds uh, putting a foul against uh, Loudrop. A lack of concentration, a chance for Rangers to finish it, and it's Gascoigne. And that ties it all up. Well, Hutz players were looking for a free kick. They reckoned that uh, Richie 
had been impeded by Loudrop. As that was going on, Rangers kept the play going, and Gascoigne slotted her away. Petrick played it through. Lovely touch by Jury. Gascoigne, 50 spots. 68 minutes gone, that surely ties it up. Gordon Petrich on the right wing he played the ball along the ground to Gordon Jury in the edge of the box and then a fantastic first time ball through to Paul Gascoigne who looks up and slots the ball as cool as you like past Jules Rousset into the net to make it 2-0 to Rangers Hearts trying to come back in after that a long range shot by Gary Mackay but straight at Andy Gorham and then David Robertson on the ball. He gets the ball to Ali McCoy to the edge of the ball. He's back to goal. He plays it back to David Robertson. He shoots. Great save by Rousseau. Really unlucky that we didn't make it the three. And then coming into the late, the latter stages of the games, Ali McCoy really should have scored. Brian Loudrop plays McCoy through one and one. He should have just tried to dink the ball, but he went for power, shoots the ball over the bar. But that's how the game ended up, Derek. Rangers winning 2-0, a potentially tricky game away at Hearts uh, for that one. I will take that for our next game that we play against Hearts <laughs> as well. But Paul Gascoigne, outstanding in that game. Brian Loudrup, quite quiet in the game, but influential when it came to the final third and winning that penalty. So great memories looking back, Derek. It was a game I completely f- forgot about. I didn't know actually how it e- ended up. So it was great just watching these games back. Sort of games that... At the time, Derek were sort of run-of-the-mill victories for us, especially with the players that that we had in. But it was the typical Walter Smith sort of tactic, make sure that we weren't going to lose anything at the back and then use our couple of superstars and Gascoigne and Loudrop to try and, you know, get something for us. And that's certainly how it panned out there. So great stuff to, to watch, great memories. And again, if you get the chance... To go back and watch it, please do, because I really enjoyed it when I was watching it. Yes, absolutely. As always, another great classic match. So, now we'll go into the news. So, the first thing we've got to report on is the AGM, and there's really not a great deal to report on. All resolutions were passed, two of which we'll get into because they're quite significant. Ultimately, the long and short of it is we don't need to sell players despite the losses. We're looking to turn a profit shortly, and the commercial revenue we're looking to do, we're looking to more than double to £27 million in the next year. So it's a very ambitious plan, but certainly with yes. the way we're getting partners, we're, we're certainly on our way there, I would have said. And ultimately, I would take AGM games like this every single year <laughs> quiet and nothing Definitely. to report Definitely, Derek. Considering certain other teams that have an AGM and talk more about us than they do about them, do you know we'll, what I mean? We'll, we'll but, get into that, Dave. Ah, uh, <laughs> you know. Yes. In terms of questions, there was quite a few. A really daft question about the COVID passports, which the club don't control. They don't have any say over. They've just got to go along with it. The club have also said they're fully aware with issues of ticketing, customer service, the toilets and disabled access. All of these are the priority for the next while. Uh, A customer service manager has been appointed just before the AGM as well. So he's taken up post and he's looking into all the things like ticketing and fan engagement and just general customer service things as you would expect the whole thing with safe standing came up again as you would expect again Stuart Robertson was asked about the survey that was started however he stated that it wasn't it wasn't finished due to the Covid issue however he can say that the reaction was mixed and is now not a priority I mean ultimately I don't know what people are expecting when the ticketing 
the, the customer service, the toilets and disabled access are all admitted to by the club as being an absolute disgrace, then of course safe standing shouldn't be a priority just now. The Union Bears at the Dundee game had a banner up moaning about not getting safe standing and, and you know wanting more engagement about it. I mean, ultimately, it really is only the U- Union Bears that are pushing for this. And I really cannot be arsed with the pettiness that they show sometimes when they don't get their own way. I mean, they give so much to the stadium and the atmosphere and the, the, the TIFO and all that kind of thing. But when they have these childish outbursts like this, when they don't get their own way, kind of like the silence they had a few years ago. Remember, me and you were at the that game, Dave. I think it was against Dundee, funnily enough, as well. Is, uh, you know, it really only is them that's really vocal about it and it really looks as if it's only them that's wanting it just now. So you can really understand why the club put it on the back burner when they're going to act like this, as well as there's a load of other things that really take priority because ultimately for a club our size, and I know a lot has to do with the stadium and the layout, but the club our size to have the disabled section the way we do and they're getting constantly pushed on with rain when it rains. I mean, even when you're in two or three rows behind that, you're still getting hit with rain as well. So that's something that really needs looked at first and foremost, especially the view down there sometimes as well. It's something that, that that should should be a priority. So I'm glad that the team, you, you know, the team. I'm glad that the club are putting that as as their priority. You mentioned the toilets as well. The toilets at Ibrox have been a bit of a disgrace for a long time. Even even from when I had my season ticket as well, Derek. The the toilets are are, are just a, a disgrace as well. So I'm glad that it's things like that that they are looking into and and, and they're making a priority because those are the things that do matter. Safe standing can wait, Derek. If that's you, you know if that's something that the club won't want to do, great. But it's certainly something that shouldn't be in place before these other things are put, are put in place. So I'm, I'm glad the club have put the priorities like that first and then they can deal with these other other things in the future. But, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly... I've, I've, I've been a huge... Uh, I've, I've criticised the, the, the facilities at Ibrox with regards to, to the toilet facilities and that for, for years and years. So finally, here's hoping that something gets done because there, there, there needs to be something about it drastically. And quite rightly, when you said the disabled section for the supporters, they should be getting looked after you know, a lot better than they are. So finally, it looks as if they're moving forward in the right way that way. Yeah. Now, the resolutions I said I would get back to, one of the resolutions was to to elect Graham Park, that was Douglas Park's son, back onto the board, passed, but Dave King voted against it. Now, Dave King, you've got to remember, still holds a 15.45% stake in the club. Now, there's been long-rumoured issues with King, between the King and the Parks. King also voted against the board being allowed to allocate more shares as and when they need to. Now, King has then went to the Daily Record and he's been not happy at the fact that the board are no longer in communication with Club 1872. He's then went to another tabloid complaining about basically the same thing and also not happy that the board banning Chris Sutton from the stadium as it's not becoming of Rangers. Now, as is what's been pointed out, Dave King was involved in revoking the credentials of Graham Spears and that FUD from the BBC. What's his name? McLaughlin. Uh, McLaughlin, yeah. So, or, you know, Dave King, if he wasn't involved in revoking them, he could have at least had uh, a big hand in reversing it if he didn't think it was becoming of Rangers. But he never. So, I don't think any of us are really 100% clear where Dave King is coming from just now. Obviously, he's he has the deal with Club 1872 for them to buy his shares, but that's never going to happen as the organisation is in complete freefall due to the disarray that it's in. 
there is still nothing new from Club 1872 after the EGM they had, which, even though they won, nearly half of those that voted wanted a change. So they're clearly not happy with the current situation in the current board. You also have to remember it was Chris Graham that was instrumental in bringing Dave King and then ultimately the Three Bears to the table for the, the original EGM to wrestle the, 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 the company back off the, the spivs. And it's also been long rumoured that Chris Graham has been silently involved in Club 1872. It's also been long rumoured that Club 1872 were far too close to Dave King and were effectively controlled by him. So there's something going on there. We need to find out what will be forever grateful for what Dave King has done. Yep. Because if it wasn't for really, ultimately if it wasn't for him and bring it, him managing to get the three bears in as well, who knows where we might be. However, he's either got to shut up, deal with his issues internally and certainly don't go to our media enemies or he has to come straight out and say if there's an issue that the fans need to know about and what we need to be concerned about about the current Rangers board. Thank you for what you've done, Dave, but either shut up or tell us what the issues are. Well put, Derek. <laughs> exactly. It's it's puzzling why for a guy who who was wanting to, to walk away, he, he says that he did what he was there to do, and as you say, will be totally grateful for everything he done. It was him that basically saved the club, put us back in the the, the, the footing that, that we're in now. So as you say, the guy will always be, you know, a, a hero to a lot of the Rangers fans for for everything he done. I just find it strange that he still have you know coming in. You know, making decisions like that, bl- blocking things, I, I realise he is still a huge sh- shareholder of the club, but I, it's just strange. There's obviously things go- going on there, Derek, that, uh, you know, that we're maybe not privy to, but I just hope it doesn't block a way for, for the club to go forward. I, I would like to think that he still has Rangers at heart, so, you know, here's just hoping that there's no any, any more hassle that way, because we certainly don't want to paint the guy in a bad light, but if there's going to be things that are going to stop Rangers moving forward the way that we want them to, and he's go, go, going to be blocking them, I don't know if it's for financial gain or whatever, I don't know. I, I sincerely hope not, So, but again, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Yes. Next thing here is Graham Murty has left the club after five years. He was the head of academy development. However, as we all know, he took charge of the first team on two occasions. Sadly, he'll probably be more remembered for a headstand tuning his zip and becoming quite emotional after one particular game. But he was really put in an impossible position. So we wish him well and whatever he goes to. Goes to. Definitely, Derek, and he he, he done a lot for, for for the club. He did step forward when you know he wasn't the the, the right man. He stepped forward. He had a lot of pressure put on him. So again, we'll thank him for for everything that he done for the club. Yep, absolutely. Next thing here, Sakala would win on on international break. He kept his goal scoring record going with a hat trick in the first Zambian game he had, and he scored from a rebounded penalty on the second game. So it's yep, good to see he's still scoring there. Great stuff. Next thing, Celtic were hit with a fine for their fans' banner against UEFA at the Ference Varos game, and we were fined for a flare at the Bronby game. Interesting that we never got any fines for uh, allegedly our crowd issues before and after the game. So clearly, uh, corroboration uh, of the the fact that there was heavy handed policing at the Bronby game, wasn't there? Yeah, there definitely was, Derek. So, as you say, quite surprising that wasn't brought up. Yep. Next thing here is, do you remember, Dave, that podcasters were asked, or sorry, told by the media that they should be not allowed back into the Ibrox for media duties due to historic unsavoury tweets? Yes. Yes. You would expect that to be the same to be told to a a top flight chairman, wouldn't you? Well, you would expect that, Derek. Yes. He'd done similar 
unsavoury tweets, not as historic because they only went back a couple of months, not a couple of years or anything like that. But the St Martin chairman, John Needham, was hit with a paltry £6,000 fine over tweets that, as I said, only went back a couple of months to May. No action by St Martin at all, by the look of it. Now, my question is, surely given this, he doesn't fulfil the obligations of the SFA's fit and proper person test, does he? Of course, that only applies to Rangers directors, yes. isn't it? Yep, yeah. definitely, Derek. Yep, total d- d- double standards there. You wouldn't expect anything less, though, would you? No, you, you, you really wouldn't, Derek. It was absolutely shocking as well. So some of the stuff that he put out, you know, he, he gave a sort of half-hearted apology as well, which was really sort of felt more tongue-in-cheek than anything else, but disgraceful comments by him, a guy who, as you say, is, you, you know, he's, he's basically in charge of a top-flight club in Scotland. Uh, again, you brought up the fit and proper persons that, you know, the SFA go on about all the time, and for that, you know, tiny wee sum of money for a guy in his, his position to be hit by Nothing else said, that's the end of it. Could you imagine the uproar if that had been anybody to do with Rangers and it would have been the, the opposite way about if there had been any tweets put out there about any other club, no even just even about Celtic, about a, any other club's fans out there, the guy would, would have been bombing crucified for it. It's, it's just, it, it just stinks the double standards, Derek. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's really annoying, isn't it? Totally. Next thing here is Parks Motor Group has been named as a sponsor for the Scottish Women's Premier League for the 21-22 season. So, outstanding that. Superb, yep. Yep. And the last piece of Real Rangers news here is we've been drawn at home against Stirling Albion in the Scottish Cup Round 4. That's going to be played in the weekend of the 22nd of January. So, hopefully, given the fact that we had a few poor results against them when we are playing them in the league, we're going to absolutely hammer them this time. I really hope so, Derek. I really hope don't want de- deja vu in that one. And the funny thing is, I'll be seeing them a couple of weeks beforehand at home because I'm going to hospitality at Stirling again. So. Excellent, Derek. Good stuff. Yeah. Now... A couple of non-Rangers stories here, and I did mention it before, that Celtic EGM, or sorry, that Celtic car crash EGM. Holy God. (laughs) I mean, a lot of dissent from the crowd. Unsure how their voting system worked, uh, as their chairman got a hard time and didn't survive the initial vote, uh, as did uh, the director, Brian Wilson. However, both appear to stay in position after a second vote, so I've no idea how that worked there. Um, I'm only bringing it up mainly because uh, even though it was a Celtic EGM, it was pretty much all about us. Yes. One, one shareholder unhappy at the board to try to keep the rivalry going with a zombie club. None of them care about. Well, you asked the question about us and you called us a zombie club. So quite clearly you do quite care incredible. about us. Uh, Resolution 12 was brought up again <laughs> in the guise of Resolution 11. Again. Oh my <clears> God. Relates back to our UEFA licence for 2020, 2012. It got voted down again unanimously. <sighs> A shareholder was not happy about the old firm trademark being used, which their interim CEO said that it was only re- renewed to prevent misuse of it. Well, I tell you something, if I trademark PlayStation 6 just to make money out of it, Sony have the right to take me to court to get the trademark off me, and they would win, because it's been proven time and time again. If you do that with a big, massive company just to get a trademark so you can try and sell it onto them, you instantly lose it because you have no right to have it ultimately. So surely what Celtic are doing in, in effect is misuse, I would have said, because they don't use Old Firm in any of their, their uh, media outlets or yes. anything like that. 
So they're not using it, but they're but they're they're quite happy to, to actually have it. That's no right, surely. The big thing, though, and it's an absolute disgrace, <laughs> is that their director, Brian Wilson, wrote an obituary in The Guardian for Walter Smith, and he mentioned as us as being demoted. Celtic <laughs> fans were unhappy at that. Quite and incredible. They still go on about us being a new club and all that kind of thing. And the shareholder brought it up at the EGM, which it forced oh. us to apologise twice. I mean, Quite, what, uh, uh, what kind of person do you need to be to, to take umbrage over something like that? This is petty and as trivial as that is an, an obituary. I'll tell, I'll tell you the type of person, Derek, the type that supports Celtic. Exactly, yeah. It's it, actually, it, it was like a, a comedy EGM, Derek, wasn't it? It was like something that you would watch in a sketch show. You know how you're a, 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 a fan of Alan Partridge, Derek? It would be, it was like something out of the Alan Partridge programme. You know, it was, it was quite surreal that you thought to yourself, surely this is a piss take. Some of the questions that they were asking were quite incredible. It's so incredibly petty as well for grown adults to be, you know, something that could potentially be as important as your club's AGM for shareholders, for them to have that as their biggest concerns, quite quite a lot of the points that they brought up, for them to be their main concerns, which is over us, things that really shouldn't matter when you're talking about the governance of your own club. And the feelings that your own club should have for them to constantly bring. I mean, the the, the resolution twelve thing for me, I, I absolutely, I think that's absolutely hilarious that they are still harping on about that. There are some real obsessed people out there, Derek. I actually sometimes feel sorry for the the people in charge having to try and deal with these folk because it's incredible. Anybody looking in from any other huge club, if, if they were to say to themselves, are this really the types of questions that they're getting asked and the points that they would brought up at an AGM? They would think it was like a, co- a comedy sketch show, Derek. Quite incredible. It never fails to amuse to you, you know to amuse these things and it's just it actually just to, to go and, and, and look at the minutes of that EGM would be, it'd be like a comedy show and you know what was funny as well so they're asking about that yet there was not one question not one mention of their CEO who only lasted about two months yes that's just would you not want to know that as you as a shareholder you've put money into this club or this company and nobody asks about the fact that a CEO only lasted what a month or two unbelievable but let them do it because it's that thing it's that type of thing that led them down the garden path to you know penny pinch here and there appoint silly managers when they could have been you know they should have had us dead and buried long ago literally we should have been even in the picture for the leagues over the last couple of years we should have been down and out yet because of their their fans focusing on us so much which then transfers onto the board they've dropped the ball and they've allowed this to happen that's why they reappointed Neil Lennon so anyway let them do it however the next couple of things here to round out is Scott Brown has been nominated for the FIFA Fair Play Award for his gesture of solidarity with Glenn Kamara (laughs) unbelievable just fuck off (laughs) unbelievable right okay and the last piece of news here is a bit (laughs) of sad news is because one of our former players we used to we used to champion David Templeton has been forced to retire at the age of 32 due to injury he is set to stay on as a Hamilton youth coach though so at least he's staying in a job as such but uh, sad that he's needing to retire so early 
Yep, as you said, Derek, a guy that, that, that both me and you had high hopes for. I think we knew that there was a very talented player in there, but really unfortunate with injuries. But as you say, we, we, we wish him all, all the best. He came into Rangers, uh, he had some some flashes, he had some great games for us, he scored a few goals, but unfortunately for him it just didn't work out. So uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll go and he'll, he'll do well. You know what he's going to be doing in his coaching career at Hamilton there, but uh, quite sad for him as well. Yep. So... Kinky fella gets padlocks stuck on testicles and has to be freed by firefighters. <laughs> Derek, there's, there's a common theme to your stories here. Usually <laughs> in the fire brigade at the end of the day. The man's privates have been trapped for 48 hours before he <laughs> finally went to the E&E for help. But staff at St. Richard's Hospital, St. Richard's, St. Dick's Hospital, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Okay. In Chichester, West Sussex could not help the, so they called in firefighters who used bolt cutters to chop off the combination <laughs> lock. A source said firefighters were there for more than an hour before they finally left. The, ta- the chap was a tad embarrassed but mightily relieved. He didn't know the code himself and obviously started using, obviously started causing some discomfort. So he went straight to the hospital. No, he never. He waited forty eight hours. Forty eight hours. The poor fella was having a bit of fun in the bedroom and got caught in a tight spot. Wait <laughs> a fucking padlock. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, fuck? Surely the combination was 6969, no? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what the fuck was he doing with a padlock? I, I mean, I, I kind of hope he was with someone else. I mean, I, I would, <laughs> what, what, what do you do with yourself with a padlock like that? I really don't understand. Unbelievable. I, 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 don't, I don't want to understand to be honest No, I don't The mind boggles there, it really does So on that note we will end the podcast So as ever you can go to all the usual podcast outlets to find out all the stuff we do Hopefully I'll be back with a post-match reaction uh, for the game against Leon and thereafter I'm over the worst of the loggy now So as ever you can go to our website which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com and there you can find a lot but none of this season's stuff so far uh, of the stuff that we do So all that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye Yes, we will be back a lot sooner (laughs) this time, guys. So keep watching for any updates and we will speak to you later. Bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.